Yolo Silver Destiny, episode one. Same show, different name or some shit. folks in TV land, don't touch that dial, and don't change the channel, you're tuned into the right podcast station, welcome back to Manga Mavericks on TV. It's been a long time since our previous episode, covering the first few episodes of Central Park back when that show premiered, and we are finally back with another special episode, because we got a special opportunity to both cover the premiere episodes of the newest season of Adult Swim's Aussiest animated series, YOLO, Silver Destiny, as well as interview its creator, the incredible Michael Guzak, as well as the show's lead actors, Sarah Bishop and Todd Manovic. You guys will hear in the interview and in my review, I really enjoy the show and getting a chance to preview the new season before it premiered and had a lot to discuss with Michael, Sarah, and Todd about their thoughts on the show's dip in serialization, how the show's look has been refined without losing the charm of its animation, the series' focus on female friendships and toxic relationships, and where the show may be headed in the future. Plus... Michael and Todd answer the question of where the season's new title, Silver Destiny, comes from, and you may be surprised to learn what's in a name. But before we get into the show proper, I want to take a commercial break to announce that this year's annual Among America's podcast survey is now live. Vote for your favorite podcast episodes, guest thumbnails, and more from 2022. And let us know your favorite parts of the show, your podcast preferences, and what you'd like to see us cover in 2023 and beyond. Plus, all participants of the survey will be entered into a special giveaway to win a manga of their choosing, including volumes of series we've covered before on the show, convention exclusives, limited releases, and even select issues of Shonen Jump. The survey will be live until February 20th, so get your votes in now. I'm looking forward to learning what your guys' favorite episodes and parts of the show were last year, and what we can look forward to making for you guys in 2023 and beyond. But now, let's get right back to the show and get this party started as we take our destined leap into a sliver of Silver Destiny with our interview with Michael, Sarah, and Todd, and stick around after these messages for my thoughts on the first few episodes of the season and my pitch to watch it for oh so many reasons. Hey, there's lots of other ways we can go. We can walk, run, or even crawl to the campfire. 
my name is Snuggles, and I cannot leave this place. Hello! Thank you for the background. It's so cute. Yeah, no, I love this key art. So thank uh, you for drawing it, whoever drew it. So yeah, uh, let's go ahead and get started, and I'll press record. Yeah, well, hi-yo, yolo. Uh, thank you guys for... Uh, Hello. Hello. Hello, how's it going? Michael, Dodd, Sarah. That, hello. Yeah, thank you for talking with me today. I've been a big fan of YOLO. Uh, I've really loved the first season. I really enjoyed uh, rewatching and getting a chance to watch the second season, Silver Destiny. So excited to talk to you guys about uh, this season and, you know, some of your favorite things working on it. So I think first off, though, I want to ask you, Michael, you know, you've been really busy. You've been making multiple shows at once with, with this new season of YOLO, Smiling Friends, and Koala Man. So what was it like juggling all those projects all at once? How did you manage it? So it, is, it has been really busy, and it takes up pretty much all my time. But I'm very lucky to have a lot of uh, talented people around me that, uh, you know, can can be uh, like delegated to be in very kind of like key roles and kind of like take, have executive decisions and uh, yeah, like, you know, smiling friends, like uh, co-create with Zach. So I'm lucky enough to, we share the load on that. And Koala man is a very collaborative team. We've got showrunners on that. Dan, ben, Dan and Benji, Dan Jimenez and Benji Simmet. And same with Yolo, you know, it's a, um, we had, uh, you know, such an amazing team kind of uh, taking the, taking a command of a lot of various aspects of this. I'm still there, you know, overseeing and, and, you know, part of the writing and all the, you know, all the aspects like that. But like I say, just a big team of great people around me. I'm very lucky. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, your team does fantastic work. One of the most striking things I found about watching the second season episodes is that I feel like the look of YOLO has become really more refined this season. In the first season, you know, the characters, they could look very different shot to shot i think that was very intentional and fun part of the style i feel in this season though we have a little bit more of a consistency you know we still get kind of crazier expression moments but there seems to be a more of a solid look to the show was that something that you consciously uh, thought about going in or just you think may have just naturally happened as a part of you know uh, working on multiple productions I think it was pretty organic. Uh, we all know we, we try to, you know, there's shows that help with the Toon Boom look and the if it's puppeted, you still, you know, shows like Rick and Morty, Koala Man and all that. You use Toon Boom and it is puppeted, but you still try to, we make that as interesting as we can with different, you know, key drawings and everything like that and try to spice up the animation. But the thing with YOLO is, and similar with, uh, same thing with Smiling Friends, is it's animated in, in Adobe Flash, Sorry, animate now. It's not called Flash anymore. <laughs> but the benefit to that is it's a little bit more craftier. Uh, yeah, some like sometimes you know the drawings are actually bad, but you know that's on purpose to for the to the comedy of it. And uh, it just I I, I, I I and Adult Swim has this same philosophy, but I like shows that feel a little bit outsider and feel like there could be drawings on a pencil case in school. There's something kind of fun about that. So. It it does have that, but then it's got really, you know, well animated and drawn things because that works too with whatever the context of what the story is to mix. Yeah, for sure. And uh yeah, I appreciate it. It's always such a colorful, like visually exciting show. 
So, I mean, one of the questions I have is that, you know, a lot of characters I heard you talk about for Yolo, you know, were based on ones that you and Todd and friends, you kind of came up with in jokey conversations, lore uh, and conversations, deans. Were there like any particular characters you were really excited to finally kind of manifest in the season of YOLO that you guys had in your minds for a long time? Uh, for me, Todd, Todd can speak to this probably more, but the the, re, the characters in the reunion episode are fun. Uh, it's fun to get the rat in there from the, the original YOLO cartoons. Getting him in there was fun. Uh, the Shimothy Talme character in episode four was <laughs> fun. Was, yeah, yeah, like I, that's the best part about doing a show like this is is just coming up with more strange characters because it feels like anything can work. You know, you can you can really think out the box, think outside the box when it term, in terms of coming up with characters. Todd, did you? Yeah, and bring, um, bringing characters back, I think from the original. I know some people were waiting for the Rat Ratman to come back. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of the characters, um, sort of, I mean, they, they do sort of come up on the spot. There's, I don't think there's, it's funny with this show. It's very off the cuff. It's like, we don't, we don't, uh, if there's anything that was years planned, you know, it would be quite a, quite a small deal. It would be an idea that's just kept with us for years and years, uh, if whether or not it's a character or an idea, but mostly it, it's pretty much, you know, it happens in the melting pot during the writer's session or during really it gets down to me and Cusack doing the the scripts and recording them and going uh rinsing each line and going is that funny is that funny making sure each line is is funny um yeah and I I think it's it's more off the cuff uh so everything sort of let's let's put this character in here let's put this character in here let's put this line in here sort of thing so yeah it sort of ha- happens organically you know Nice. And were there any characters that you kind of discovered through just acting it out? And this is a question that can involve all you guys. Like, you know, you just came up with like, oh, here's a funny voice. Here's like a funny, like, fake. And then the character evolves from that. I think uh, one that pops into my mind is in the parents episode, the musical episode. There's a guy that yells at the dad because he thinks that he works at, at the at the on the ceremony as like a dishwasher or something and yeah. I think like on the day I was I think I was just stressed out like with work or something and in a maybe a weird not a grumpy mood but just like a stressed out mood and you'll hear it in the voice like it just from it manifested to him like that was just real I think like Whatever he was saying then was just me at the time, whatever I was feeling. I don't know, Todd, if you remember that. Yeah, it was, uh, it was something like, um, I'm, I'm getting really stressed and I have anxiety or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in a jokey way. But, like, it was, it's just insane. And, like, you know, it's fun. You know, sometimes just a mood will manifest a character. Which can be fun, yeah. you know. To... Yeah, that's what mostly happens. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, uh, yeah it's pretty much like the line comes first um, and then, Oh yeah, the one that comes to my head is the the bee tradie. You know, you can't be yeah, you, know, you can't be the empress, not not a bee or something like that. You know? <laughs> yeah, just sort of like um, yeah, it comes from you know doing the line first sort yeah. of thing. Sarah, did you have anything on that? Or, I mean, do you, I guess I, I like I think there's less um, Sarah's there's less sort of. Uh, I think room for Sarah to sort of do that. Probably like the fun ones are maybe like when she's really drunk. Yeah. yeah. Like that's when I get to have a lot of fun and play with her. Yeah. yeah. I always feel sorry for Sarah because the character of Sarah is very much the grounded, 
you know, like she's essentially like the protagonist of the show. So everything around her is weird and crazy to kind of offset, you know, and you know her normality. So I guess it's not as fun, but hopefully it's still it's still, it's still, still Yeah, I love that we have a grounded character. Like you really you really help in terms of us like bouncing off something something that feels a little bit more normal sort of thing. It, ma- it makes it makes the weird stuff better, I think, for that. And also Sarah's the main character, so yeah, if, if, if I feel like it works. I think it's also fun. Like I think for me, what's fun as well is knowing like a lot of the time it's like the more truth I can actually find in the line, the less I try to be funny and the more I can just find the truth of it, the funnier it makes everybody else. And then it makes the next jokes funnier or the previous joke funnier. So I think like that's, that's the joy for me. For if sure. you've ever played World of Warcraft uh, and you do a dungeon, it's like Sarah's like the priest. She's healing everyone <laughs> uh, nice. while we do our silliness. We wouldn't be able to do it without Sarah there. She's the grounding presence. Yeah, it's important to have a character like that, a prison show. And I, I really like Sarah's a character and like her arc in the season of like trying to grow her garden. And uh, yeah, I was just wondering, Sarah, like what were like some of your favorite moments kind of navigating Sarah's arc this season? You know, I really liked the Ford episode in particular where we went inside her dream with that Imiji Shami character. So what were your some like favorite performance moments from the season and in Sarah's growth as a character uh yeah like episode four I just love I I love it so much it was such a surprise when I read it it's just such a joy um and then I think uh I don't want to give too much away but I think towards the end of the series as things really come to a head with her garden I think how that manifests in her relationship with Rachel and some of the conversations that she has with Rachel at the end were like really fun. And also like there was a lot of emotion there as well. Yeah, it was, it was great. It's really exciting. That's really cool to hear. You know, one of the, I mean, YOLO is a series that's like really centered around the relationship and friendship of Sarah and Rachel. And in the first season, you know, we kind of saw moments where that was tested towards the end of that season. And then even this season kind of brought up, you know, is Rachel a toxic friend to Sarah? So I'm I'm really interested, I guess, in your guys' perspective on that and some things we might be able to expect of how Sarah and Rachel's relationship and friendship is explored this season. So I think, uh, well, personally, like I have been through toxic relationships. I've seen a lot of friends that have also been in toxic friendships. And it's just an interesting uh, dynamic to explore because like at the end of the day, like the, the most, the main question is like, why would you hang around someone that is toxic? And you know it, like when you even know it, it's like, why? And, you know, that comes in, that, that, makes us explore you know the insecurity of Sarah and feeling like this is what she deserves and you know also there's redeeming things to a toxic friend for some reason and I found this myself they tend to be more exciting and stimulating than maybe some safer friends so you know it's just a it's an interesting dynamic to to explore because it's not so black and white you know there's nuances to it that being said, Rachel definitely is a toxic friend. But, uh, you know, yeah, it's sort of like she, she, there is love. There's love. There's love behind the uh, you know be, behind the control and everything like that. But yeah, as Kuzak said, it's like 
you've been in toxic relationships and know what that's like and everybody goes why why are you friends with this person you know you go there's something there you know I know there's something there and I can bring that out in them so I think you know Sarah really brings that out um in Rachel as long as Rachel doesn't resist it and you know she loves to resist it that's uh part of their story I suppose she's always resisting Sarah's uh love lovely charm and going off and doing some horrible things on her own sort of thing and asking, (laughs) asking Sarah to come along and drag her down with her basically but yeah in, in the end the friendship is you know it, it 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 hopefully blossoms you know yeah sarah your thoughts yeah i i think i think this show does a really good job of like really it's a cliche term but like putting female friendships under the microscope and especially female friendships in their 20s and it's a weird time where you're you're, you know you're not with your family anymore um if you come from a town like Wollongong there's still a lot of societal pressure to you know get married and have kids and do those things and um I think your friends in that time especially if you're single your your friend kind of becomes more than just a friend they kind of become everything to you and your life and I think that's where I think that's why that toxic dynamic is so common because you kind of need them and you turn a blind eye to um these sides of them that aren't um aren't so great because if you don't go and hang out with them you might be at home on a Saturday night and that's a fate worse than death or you've been taught that that's a fate worse than death so you'll that's why Sarah goes out with Rachel yeah it's really interesting to see how the show explores their friendship I think definitely we've got a lot of sense of Rachel is very dependent on Sarah in a very like needy way both in like the season one finale and then in that Ford episode where she, you know the there was a chance of like Sarah be, uh, being trapped in her dream and Rachel was like now and all that stuff so yeah. uh, I just am interested in seeing where that vision goes and uh, the stuff that you're talking about at the end of the season that heartfelt conversation it's really exciting to me but another thing that I find really excited about this season is that we have this kind of overarching continuing storyline for our main characters here. You know, Sarah's garden, Rachel becoming Empress, and then uh, bringing like more prominently Lucas in, as like a third character with his own subplot of being a wannabe alchemist with love potion. Uh, what was your thought process of like going this season, like writing kind of this these storylines that would carry over episode to episode? Uh, it was it was definitely harder. So when, when we write in Melbourne with uh, Nina Oriyama, Gridley Jackson, and Michelle Brager in a writers' room, and we throw out a bunch of funny, weird experiences that we've all had, especially the girls, because they've, you know they've really lived this much more than I have. You know, I can bring like friendship stuff too, but there's a lot of things that I learn, you know, from those kind of rooms, which uh, we definitely explore in the show. And um, yeah, this season we had we kind of set out a goal to make it a little bit more serialized. Not completely though, because I like shows that you can kind of tune in whenever and still have a good time, so to speak. Uh, but we we because you know it is interesting those that kind of friendship. So it's it was fun to explore it over a few episodes, and it did make it harder. Um, Anka Vlasen was very important to that process, who is a writer here in America. She works on Koala Man too, another show that I, I work on. And uh, we worked together a lot to figure out this kind of arc throughout the series. Like, you know, by episode seven, we want to hit this beat with the friendship. By episode nine, this blah, 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 et cetera, those kind of things. And um, it was a it was difficult, but uh, 
worth it in the end. You know, we learned a lot from doing it. Nice, nice. And do you think that, like, thinking forward into, like, what you might want to do next with this series, is that something you're hoping to continue or perhaps explore in your other series? Uh, it's it's actually, it could, YOLO Season 3 could go back to just being purely episodic. I think whatever, the good thing about this show is, is like whatever we're feeling is right at the time. If we're so lucky, if we're lucky enough to get Season 3, we'll just sit down and just and just think, what is the ideal situation to do for that? Uh, but for me, season three feels like a, I don't know, there's something special about it already as I think about it. It's hard to put into words, but it just feels like it'd be like another evolution of the show. Uh, yeah. With another That's fancy great. name. If another fancy <laughs> yeah. name to confuse IMDb and the, uh, <laughs> the naming conventions of this show. No, that's a great segue because I actually wanted to ask about the name change, like referring to the season as Silver Destiny. So, like, does the title refer to a specific storyline? Like, why did you want to change the name, like, refresh things? Like, Todd, Todd will be able to speak more to this, but I'll just briefly touch on it. Uh, when we came up with Crystal Fantasy, we were trying to come up with something that felt kind of anime-ish, a bit like, you know, like that kind of those words that seem to work like bubblegum crisis, like those, those yeah. words that together that seem nonsensical, but kind of have a nice flow or aesthetic to them. And we've got a chat log somewhere of like hundreds of names that could have been like what crystal fantasy was that were, you know, things that involved like deluxe and like, you know, different kind of like remastered. Genesis. Uh, all these things like and also using we love like you know the pokemon thing using like jewels and gems and colors yeah. to kind of add to things and it just it, it colors up a title and um silver destiny well I, I, todd maybe you can speak to this. did we come up with that while we're coming up with crystal fantasy as an option for season one I, or i think we did it, it was either on on that first i think i think we initially um you know came up with crystal fantasy um, you, you know, in the sense that it's like, yeah, the fantasy side of things is sort of, um, I mean, I, I, I heard, like I heard that story that the Final Fantasy crew, uh, that was their last effort, ditch effort at making a video game that was going to work sort of thing. So I suppose there was a little bit of that and went, yeah, and I think it might have been a little bit later on that we came up with the um, the second and the third season uh, names um, just to, you know, to, uh, title, title in. And I, I think it was sort of, Silver gave you this idea of two, and then Destiny gave you an idea of an overarching plot. So, you know, it's, I mean, the third one might not follow the same sort of uh, um, formula there, but yeah, we sort of, it, 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 you know, we, we sort of tried to make the beats the same so they all fit in together. And then, you know, if it was a package deal, it'd just be referred to as YOLO, basically. So, exactly. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I, I just love that Adult Swim said, yeah, you can do a, a new name sort of thing. I, I haven't heard of a show that has done that before. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's great nice. to be able to do that. Well, Aqua Teen did that in its later seasons, didn't it? Like, change its name. Aqua Teen, did it change its name in its last couple of seasons? Like, every season? I think they, yeah, that's right. That's right. And I think their plan might be even, uh, they don't, they don't hold t too hard to the actual, uh, to the name as well. I think they're ready to change it whenever they, you know, <laughs> as long as they can get it sort of thing. 
Nice. Well, I think that's coming up on time. Uh, any like other final thoughts about like what your hope fans will notice and get out of this season of YOLO? And in particular for you, Sarah and Todd, what you hope that fans pay attention to in regards to like uh, the characters of Sarah and Rachel this season? As for me, I just hope uh, people get something out of it, either a bit of entertainment, some laughs, maybe, you know, the 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 kind of the art of everyone that's been involved has been so special and unique. So I hope something there's something interesting for everyone, I hope. Yeah. And I, I just want to because when I used to watch Adult Swim cartoons on the little you know, Adult Swim block on Aussie television late at night, a good 20 years ago, 15 years ago, that feeling that you got watching those Adult Swim shows feels a little bit culty, feels a little bit, you know, something that you can really grab onto. Um, I just want people to be able to associate with the show the same way that I associated with things like Metalocalypse and, and Harvey Birdman and all those fantastic, you know, Adult Swim shows that, that, uh, that happened back in the day. The idea that we've got one that might feel the same way to a to an audience is really you know promising to me so I hope people get that out of it what about you Sarah yeah I this is a show that like we love making and it makes us laugh and I just really hope that other people can enjoy it and and they love it as much as we you know they love watching it as much as we enjoyed making it and I also think it is a show that it rewards you if you keep coming back to it because there is an evolution of these characters. So I, I just really hope people enjoy that. Absolutely. Wonderful sentiments. And yeah, I'm really enjoying the season so far. And I think a lot of fans will when the show uh, premieres January 22nd. So yeah. Yeah. Thank you again for facilitating this interview. Uh, I know you probably have another one to get to, so I'll just get out of here. But again, thank you so much. Love chatting with you all. Big fan of the show. Big fan of your work. Have a wonderful day. They say you only live once, but for the girls of Wollongong, the party never stops. Sarah and Rachel of Adult Swim's most audaciously awesome animated series, YOLO, is back for another go of eclectic and cosmic adventures through the outback and beyond. While the girls may be leaving the crystal fantasy behind to embrace their silver destiny as the show's floating, glowing, disembodied head of a narrator begrudgingly exclaims, it's just the same show, different name, or some shit. Indeed, the change in title is only as meaningful as the subtle differences that the different subtitles given to the later seasons of Aqua Dean Unger Force may have. Fundamentally, YOLO is still focused on the irreverent misadventures of its party girl heroines as they navigate life, friendship, and all the weirdness around them. Even if at heart, Silver Destiny is still the same show as Crystal Fantasy, the initial seasons of television experience Michael Kusak and his team have translated into a more hushed aesthetic that hasn't lost the loose charms of the series' indie YouTube animation roots.
In contrast to the first season, where characters and locations can look different from shot to shot, this season has found more of a consistent grounding in the look of the characters and world. Using that as a baseline to break rules and experiment from there. The series is just as expressive, colorful, imaginative as ever. What a bevy of fantastical character designs. Gorgeous and surreal backgrounds. A dynamic animation that can be funny through fluid erratic character animation. Hyper detailed and grotesque close-ups. And especially moments of off-guard simplicity. Like a moment in the first episode, when a group of characters are just lifted from the ground and onto the back of a giant creature in a basic motion tween. The series really finds a lot of creative utility in Adobe Animate's puppeting tools, while also giving its animators chances to break free into looser frame-by-frame animation. So you never quite know how a character is going to move, and how they're going to react, and that makes them all the more fun to watch. And in moving from fantasy to destiny, the show finds itself wanting to grow and change as much as its protagonists. As actor Todd Minovic explained in our interview, the title Silver Destiny evokes the idea of an overarching plot, as creator Michael Cousette explored, they've set out to have a more continuous storyline and an arc throughout the season. Sarah and Rachel both have their own girls that we track throughout each episode, with Sarah starting her own garden and Rachel embracing her dark prophetic destiny of becoming an evil empress. YOLO, characteristic of a lot of Kuzak's colorfully caricatured work, trills in its creativity and experimentation and in trying to create stories and worlds and characters that feel exciting, surprising, novel, and just plain funny. The switch to serialization reflects not only the ambitions of YOLO's writing team, wanting to keep the series creatively fresh and interesting, but also the ethos of its ever-evolving world, where a new surprise awaits around every corner. This spirit is also embodied by our protagonists, who, through their journeys this season, are seeking change in their lives, having lost a trill in trill-seeking, and no longer partial to ever-ending partying, yearning for something more out of life. Longing for dreams long thought unattainable or forgotten. We've already seen Sarah feel discontent with being stuck in a loop of partying and regret in Season 1's Planet Horoscope, and we've seen how she could live a fulfilling life without Rachel in the Season 1 finale Enter Bushworld. The series has not been shy about addressing that Rachel is a toxic friend, and her influence has held Sarah back from discovering her talents, nurturing her own happiness, and forming other healthy relationships. This season really pushes that idea further, with her embarrassment and frustration and not changing, inspiring her to try growing her garden, and in doing that, discovering how to help herself grow through helping other things grow. It also keeps re-emphasizing Rachel's controlling influence on Sarah's decision-making, and her stifling effect on her confidence. In the season's fourth episode, Shays in the City, we dive into one of Sarah's dreams, a whirlwind romance inspired by a New York set art movie starring a pretentious pretty boy named Shimity Chalamet, who sees her as living art and takes her on a different kind of adventure than she's used to. Exploring the city, a place of connections and culture unlike her home of Wollongong, it makes her contemplate what she's been missing and what she wants for herself. 
the puppeteer of her dreams, purposely constructs this fantasy to try and convince her to have bigger dreams and leave Rachel behind. Because, as he points out, under Rachel's influence, Sarah has stopped dreaming altogether. The season continues to explicitly highlight Rachel's selfishness when it comes to Sarah, and that when given the choice between her friend's happiness and her own, Rachel will always choose herself first. But rather than portray Rachel as an antagonizing preference Sarah is better off without, the series has a more nuanced, sympathetic view of their toxic and codependent friendship, and why they stay in it. At the end of the season 1 finale, a dying elderly Sarah mused that even though Rachel was not always a good friend, and they didn't always have a good time, they still had a lot of fun together. And in the end, that's what she remembers most. Ultimately, while Sarah may be drifting away from Rachel, she's truly brought a lot of joy and fun into her life. And so their friendship is one that's hard for her to let go of. Rachel's arc, meanwhile, explores her codependency with Sarah and rekindling her own ambitions. After receiving the warning slash prophecy that she's on the path to become an evil empress, Rachel, who has mostly lived her life indulgently and indifferently, starts to become inspired. For the first time, she has a goal besides party she wants to work towards. Much like how Sarah didn't think she was talented enough to grow a garden, Rachel realized that she always wanted this for herself, but never realized she could make it into a reality. Until now. Rachel has also become more self-aware of the fact that even though she often dismisses Sarah's feelings and treats her poorly, Sarah is the most important person in her life, and she deeply loves her. After the events of the first season, Rachel is no longer reluctant to openly admit she loves Sarah, as evident in the opening scene of the first episode of this season, and that she desires to party with her forever. Rachel's insecurity over Sarah leaving her is manifested and brought into the forefront in the season's fourth episode, where she is literally depicted as a baby in Sarah's dreams, wailing loudly for her attention. Rachel is both overly protective of Sarah and incredibly dependent on her. With this relationship dynamic solidified after the events of Crystal Fantasy, Silver Destiny promises to push their friendship or relationship even further to, as Sarah's actress Sarah Bishop teased, the point where they'll need to have a heart-to-heart about what they want out of their lives and what they need from each other. While Yolo's stories remain centered around the relationship between Sarah and Rachel, the series also continues to build out its world and introduce delightfully distinctive memorable characters that are often just as interesting. From the warden forest where the commune resides, to the cosmic purple fire god's realm, from the crabs and caves of Punabali, to the industrious grayscale city of New York City, the characters travel through many different locales and meet so many fun characters, including new characters like the multi-armed Johnny Depp Wonka-esque puppeteer, previously alluded to characters like Sarah's bridezilla of a sister Sharon, and even returning characters like Sarah's grumpy parents and the good boy Kaligan. Lucas, Sarah's creepily obsessed neckbeard stalker, has also been granted main character status this season and has been given his own arc of becoming a wannabe alchemist collecting ingredients for a love potion to steal Sarah's heart. While he's not the most likable character, comparatively, the series makes efforts to depict his more admirable qualities, showing some more of his bravery and even having him save the day from time to time. 
The eclectic and eccentric worlds and characters of Yolo contrast and complement our protagonists and their stories interestingly and humorously, and make every new episode feel distinct from each other, even though they're now more tied in with each other than ever. Of course, Yolo will soon be as funny as it is without the show's incredibly hilarious vocal talents. Cerebro should brings a great deal of warm sincerity to Sarah's character, and even though she doesn't get to go as wild as other characters, when she's gotta get loud and crazy, she can really bring it. Going from soft-spoken to booming in a heartbeat. Todd Malick's gruff and smarmy performance as Rachel really characterizes her crudeness and recalcitrantness well. And Michael Cusack plays too many characters to count. And while the range of voices he has isn't necessarily broad, he has an instinctive knack for odd and goofy line deliveries and comic timing that elicit big laughs every time. Altogether, the trio and a handful of other actors populate the world of Oligarmer voices as colorfully quirkly as they look underneath its erratic exterior. Yellow is a deceptively thoughtful and emotionally complex show that really shines a spotlight on the nuances of toxic relationships, particularly in female friendships, exploring territory that a few other animated shows, besides perhaps Adult Swim's own Toucan Birdie, navigate. It's a credit to the show's incredible writing team and Guzak's own creative voice, the show can be as sincere as it is silly. It's a shame. I think Golo isn't as popular as Guzak's other Adult Swim hit Smiling Friends. But even if it's not as destined for greatness as Rachel is, the silver lining is that, like Sarah, it's continuing to find ways to grow and express a creative voice and an energy wholly its own. And I think that's worth its weight in silver. You only live once. And like Sarah and Rachel, Kuzak and his team are making the most of the time they've got to make a truly special show. And I'm excited to follow along the girls' adventures in Wollongong for another season, and invite you all to come and join the party. But thanks again to Michael, Sarah, and Todd for their time and thoughts on YOLO, and the Adult Swim Team and 42 SPR teams for arranging and facilitating this interview and providing us early access of the episodes for review. Tune in next time for even more animated coverage of our favorite animated series, telling you what's good to watch on your telly. But until then, follow us on our socials for the latest updates on new episodes, on Twitter at Mongers for Mavericks, and on Tumblr at Mongers.tumblr.com. And if you haven't checked out the video version of our interview with Michael, Sarah, and Todd, want to see their faces as they're talking about the show, well, head on over to our YouTube channel, YouTube.com.mongers.com our website at mongers.com to do just that and check out our other recent adult swim interview with casper kelly too you can also find on our website all of our other reviews interviews and podcasts including my other podcast alum squad a usa gaster focus podcast for just a wonderful and a wacky world of Takahashi's classic sci-fi rom-com series we're having a lot of fun discussing the manga the movies and the new anime series and we have tons of podcasts recorded and planned to release, so look forward to more electrifying episodes coming your way soon. You can follow us for updates on Twitter at Squad and on our YouTube channel, as well as listen to episodes early, oftentimes much early, on the Mongers Patreon. 
Our Patreon also has a variety of tier options with rewards to thank you for your support, like a $2 tier for early access to select podcast episodes before they go live on our public feed, a $5 tier for monthly bonus podcasts, which will include our upcoming Survey Report podcast, as well as special movie and manga reviews, and ongoing miniseries for the Manga Rise Book Club which is currently adventuring through JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Supporting us on the Modern Rise Patreon helps us continue to pay for the cost of producing the podcast and running the website and investing in creating even more great content like this interview for you guys. If you'd like to send us feedback beyond what's included in the survey, like suggestions for future shows you'd like us to cover on Modern Rise on TV, hit us up at modernrise at gmail.com. And if you want to follow me and keep up with what I'm reading, watching, or doing, you can follow me wherever I am, including Twitter, Letterboxd, Annulus, Annulation, and more, at LumRamaYasha. Wherever I am, I'm there under that name. And if you like the art I make, the thumbnails I draw for a podcast, and the animations and illustrations that I make in general, you can find that stuff on my Instagram, at SidArtWorks. But I think that is it for this episode. So until the next time, I think it's time to change the channel and see what else is on. And click.